Hello, Earnings Call listener. My name is Hadi Youssef. I run this earnings season podcast, but I also run the Borster Earnings Call mobile app, and that's what I wanted to quickly tell you about today. We've created a dedicated app for listening to earnings calls. What I mean by that is that we've basically created the Spotify for earnings calls. Our app lets you add any company to your watch list. You can download any earnings call to your phone. You can set notifications for specific companies for when a new call is available. You can also see the exact date of the earnings call. And if there is a company that isn't on our app yet, you can request a company within our app and we will promptly add it. Making earnings calls easy to access is something that I care a lot about. It's why I created this earnings season podcast. But obviously, we cannot add every single earnings call that gets published on this podcast, or else you'll be having hundreds of episodes every week. And so, we've created a dedicated app where you can go and pick and choose the exact earnings calls、uh, you're interested in. And what we post on this earnings season podcast are basically kind of the highlights or the most notable earnings calls. But in the show notes of this episode, I've included a video demonstration where I walk you through all the features that I just described for our app. And I also included the link to the App Store where you can go there and see the description of the app and the reviews. You know, I'm really proud of the feedback we've gotten from our users. And,、uh, you know, pleasing and satisfying our, our users and our customers is, is something that I、uh, take pride in. And, and as a team, we、uh, really pride ourselves on that. And so, I don't want to take more of your time and, and keep you from listening to the earnings calls you've selected today. So, without further ado, here is your earnings call. Good afternoon. My name is Chantel, and I'll be your conference operator today. Welcome to the Cloudera First Quarter Fiscal 2020 Quarterly Results Conference Call. All participants' lines have been placed in listen only mode to prevent background noise. After the speaker's remarks, there will be an opportunity to ask questions. If you would like to ask a question during this time, simply press star, the number one, on your telephone keypad. If you would like to withdraw your question, press the pound key. Please note this conference is being recorded. Your host is Kevin Cook, VP Corporate Development and Investor Relations. Kevin, you may begin your conference. Thank you, Chantel. Good afternoon and welcome to Cloudera's first quarter fiscal 2020 conference call. We will be discussing the results announced in our press release issued after market close today. From Cloudera with me are Marty Cole, Chairman, Tom Riley, Chief Executive Officer, Arun Murthy, Chief Product Officer, and Jim Francola, Chief Financial Officer. During the course of this call, we will make forward looking statements regarding, our, regarding future events and the future financial performance of the company, including those as merged with Hortonworks. Generally, these statements are identified by the use of words such as expect, believe, anticipate, intend, and other words that denote future events. These forward looking statements are subject to material risks and uncertainties that could cause actual results to differ materially from those in the forward looking statements. We caution you to consider the important risk factors that could cause actual, resu- actual results to differ materially from those in the forward looking statements in the, press, in the press release and on this conference call. These risk factors are described in our press release and are more fully detailed under the caption. Risk factors in our annual report on Form 10K, our quarterly report on Form 10Q, and our other filings with the SEC. During this call, we will present both GAAP and non GAAP financial measures. Non GAAP financial measures exclude stock based compensation expense and amortization of acquired intangible assets. In addition, we provide a non GAAP weighted average share count for fiscal 2020. 
These non-GAAP measures are not intended to be considered in isolation from a substitute for or superior to our GAAP results, and we encourage you to consider all measures when analyzing Cloudera's performance. All numbers reported for prior periods are presented for Cloudera on a standalone basis since the merger with Hortonworks closed on January 3, 2019, and as such, there is no comparative year-over-year financial information for the combined company. For complete information regarding our non-GAAP financial information, the most directly comparable GAAP measures, and a quantitative reconciliation of those figures, please refer to today's press release regarding our first quarter results. The press release has also been furnished to the SEC as part of a Form 8K. In addition, please note that the date of this conference call is June 5, 2019, and any forward-looking statements that we make today are based on assumptions that we believe to be reasonable as of this date. We undertake no obligation to update these statements as a result of new information or future events. Now, Marty Cole, Chairman of the Board of Directors. Thank you, Kevin. It's good to be here with all of you today. Although today's call is focused on our fiscal first quarter results, I want to address briefly the other news we announced today. In a separate release, we announced that Tom Riley will be retiring effective July 31, 2019, and that the board has appointed me interim CEO. I will work closely with Tom over the coming weeks to help ensure a smooth transition and to lead the company's executive team while the board conducts a search for a permanent CEO. The board has formed a search committee and engaged a leading executive recruiting firm to identify Cloudera's next chief executive. I want to take this opportunity to express my thanks to Tom for all of his contributions to Cloudera over the past six years. Tom has been an important part of Cloudera's growth, and he has led us through many major milestones. We certainly wish him well in his future endeavors. I look forward to working more directly with our talented employees, supporting our customers, and expanding our key partnerships. I continue to be very excited about Cloudera's future. Tom, over to you to discuss this quarter's results. Thank you, Marty, for the kind words. Likewise, I'm very excited about Cloudera's future and the innovation we are bringing to market. However, for several reasons, I have decided that this summer is the right time for me to retire. I've reached agreement with the board that I will resign from my role as CEO of Cutter at the end of our fiscal quarter. Cutter is well positioned with a merger integration largely complete, an exciting roadmap in place, and an aligned and seasoned executive team. The company will benefit from a new leader who will bring in different perspective and experience with large-scale operations. All right, let's turn to the discussion of our first quarter fiscal year 2020 results. With respect to Q1, we'll cover three topics in addition to providing detailed financial information. First, we'll offer a quick update on the merger with Hortonworks. Second, we'll discuss the factors that are affecting customer buying behavior and its impact on our full-year outlook. And lastly, we'll update our progress on delivering the Cloudera data platform, CDP, our next-generation cloud offering. Total revenue in the first quarter was $187 million dollars. Subscription revenue was $155 million, and operating cash flow was positive $11 million. The year-over-year comparisons on these numbers are not meaningful as Q1 results benefit from the merger with Hortonworks. Annualized recurring revenue was $672 million at the conclusion of the quarter, representing 21% year-over-year growth. 
Now let's get into the details with a quick merger update. Integration and execution on the merger continues to go well. We're now operating as one company with one strategy and one vision. People-related integration work is done, and we're pleased with the way that the merge executive team is functioning. The cost synergies that we estimate at the time of the merger announcement have been validated and are being realized ahead of plan. The only remaining work is integrating several back office systems, and this will be an ongoing process. Now let me share what did not go well in Q1 and what our plans are for addressing it. In our first quarter as a merged company, we experienced headwinds and bookings from existing customers. These customers generally represent more than 90% of our growth and were the focus of the quarter's activity. We've analyzed the challenges we encountered in the quarter and believe that two factors primarily contributed to the bookings impact. First, the announcement of our merger in October 2018 created uncertainty, particularly regarding the combined company roadmap, which we rolled out in March of this year. During this period of uncertainty, we saw increased competition from the public cloud vendors. Second, the announcement in March of Cloudera Data Platform, our new hybrid and multi-cloud offering, created significant excitement within our customer base. DDP is compelling as it addresses many of our customers' most pressing needs. However, our rapid execution on a cloud-native platform has caused some customers to wait until it's released to renew and expand their agreements. Our conviction about the company's market opportunity and customer demand for hybrid and multi-cloud solutions remains strong. Customer feedback on CDP and its differentiating features validates our belief in Cloudera's competitive position as well as our ability to innovate in our target market. Indeed, now that we have trained our sales reps and could clearly articulate our detailed product roadmap, we are seeing significant pipeline growth. Fundamentally, we believe that our vision for an enterprise data cloud that extends from the edge to AI is spot on. Large global enterprises have complex business use cases requiring multiple analytic functions. These enterprises require hybrid cloud services. They have data and workloads in both their data centers and in the public cloud. What they're asking for is the ability to seamlessly move their data and workloads to the optimal location to minimize cost and maximize efficiency. They also want one consistent model for security, governance, compliance, and management. Finally, they plan to use multiple public clouds and open source software to avoid vendor lock-in. We believe that CDP uniquely addresses all of these customer requirements in an elegant and differentiated way. CDP development is on plan and timing for its release this summer has not changed. Arun Murthy, our Chief Product Officer, will now provide an update on CDP and some of its many innovative features. Thanks, Tom. Hello, everyone. As discussed last quarter, the merging of the engineering teams came together quickly and, frankly, better than expected. All major product and component rationalizations and roadmap decisions were made swiftly, and I'm proud of how fast the team is beginning to execute. For example, in the first 30 days following the merger, we made Cloudera Data Science Workbench available to legacy Cloudera Hortonworks customers. Similarly, we delivered the Cloudera Data Flow for legacy Cloudera customer base within the first 90 days. In the same time frame, we also delivered a brand new product, Cloudera Edge Manager, which opens up new IoT use cases for all our customers. Our product portfolio continues to broaden and deepen which leads me to the most significant of these initiatives, the Cloudera Data Platform. 
Development of CDP is going remarkably well. The engineering team is laser focused on vision for the enterprise data cloud. CDP remains on track for availability to customers this summer in the public cloud as a hybrid PaaS offering and later this year as a private cloud offering. As previously mentioned, we have already seen encouraging signs from customers who are excited about the new cloud native platform. Like Tom, I've met many customers recently and the collective feedback is that CDP is differentiated and superior to what is in the market today, particularly since it leverages newer industry standards such as Kubernetes and containers for key workloads. It also addresses key needs and pain points for them as they make public cloud a key component of their enterprise architecture. Cloudera data platform is more than just a new release for the cloud. In fact, CDP leapfrogs the competition in a number of key areas, particularly around security, automation, and cloud migration. In order to help you all understand what our customers are excited about, I'll spend a minute to highlight three unique differentiators about CDP among the many. First, CDP offers intelligent migration, which uses powerful policy-based controls to automate data movement between on-premise file systems and cloud object stores. This enables not only one-time migration, but also ongoing incremental movement of both data and uniquely metadata, such as schema, security policies, lineage, and provenance. Furthermore, CDP provides seamless role-based and attribute-based access control for data movement across security domains in hybrid and multi-cloud environments. Second, cloud bursting. CDP addresses unpredictable business or business or user demands by bursting analytical workloads in public clouds along with the relevant data to complement data center capacity. Third, and importantly to cost-conscious customers, CDP performs adaptive scaling. This allows us to adjust cloud resources automatically used by analytical workloads by scaling them up when demand increases, and even more crucially, scaling them down for dynamically optimizing cost, all in a completely automated manner without any performance impact. Delivering these innovations this quickly would not have been possible without the combined talent, technology, and experience of the new cloud era. As one company, we're poised to deliver the industry's first enterprise data cloud with powerful analytics across hybrid and multi-cloud environments, controlled with sophisticated and granular security and governance policies, making it easier and safer to roll out new use cases from the edge to AI. With that, back to you, Tom. Thank you, Arun. We're excited about CDP and so are our customers. Our customer interactions regarding CDP clearly validate our vision, strategy, and current competitive position. In the end, it all comes down to customers and helping them gain insight and extract value from data. This past quarter, we won 59 new customers, all of which were competitive battles, and we were advantaged by our merger and our enterprise data cloud vision. After training our field organization on the new products and roadmap, our rate of pipeline generation has accelerated, more than doubling from the beginning of the quarter to the end. We have presented our roadmap in one-on-ones, executive briefings, or group sessions to well over 1,000 enterprises representing more than half of our customer base. These interactions are invaluable from removing uncertainty, gaining substantive feedback, and developing engagement on new use cases and expansion opportunities. And finally, our largest customers are all eager to participate in our CDP beta program. Additionally, we helped our customers deliver some amazing new use cases with significant business impact. 
Let me share some of these customer stories and how our current cloud capabilities help them. First, ATB Financial. They're the largest financial institution in Alberta, Canada, with over $54 billion in assets. They chose Cloudera running on Google Cloud for secure data management. Our platform is being used in an ingest framework to move data between on-premises and cloud storage for transparent data ownership and trusted data operations. Adopting a hybrid cloud-based data platform has resulted in 90% faster data analytics, improving team collaboration through faster and better decision-making, and also increasing operational efficiency. With CDP intelligent migration, use cases like ATBs can further benefit from its secure and automated data movement across on-premises and public clouds. Next, ClearSense. A Florida-based healthcare analytics provider has developed a cloud-based, HIPAA-compliant healthcare data ecosystem running on Cloudera. ClearSense selected us for our secure, open-source, hybrid cloud architecture. This has enabled them to deliver multi-tenant, subscription-based, predictive analytics services to smaller rural and underserved healthcare providers. Using Cloudera, they're able to provide near-instant access to patient information that previously took weeks to assemble and deliver. CDP's sophisticated and granular security and governance policies are intended to benefit use cases like ClearSenses, providing increased enterprise control without compromising user experience. Lastly, one of our more exciting case studies involves Lufthansa Technic, a leading provider of technical aircraft services. We introduced this use case on a call last year, shortly after having been selected and during the initial planning. They chose Cloudera running on Microsoft Azure for their cloud-based analytics platform because we provide the scalability and availability their customers need. I'm proud to share that their deployment is now in production and is delivering a 40% reduction in predicted components removal. I encourage you to check out the Lufthansa Technic video on our website to get the full story on how they are disrupting the aviation industry with data. And going forward, CDP's adaptive scaling is intended to benefit use cases like Lufthansa Technics with automated performance optimization. Finally, our partner community has responded very favorably to both our merger and more importantly, our roadmap. They view the new Cloudera as the market standard, allowing them to focus their efforts on a single partner rather than two or three. I am pleased to announce that we've expanded our relationship with a very important global partner, IBM. This partnership was significant for Hortonworks and one of the factors driving Cloudera's desire to merge the companies. Our partnership with IBM is now more significant in several respects. We amended the terms of the agreement with IBM to soon include our complete portfolio of product offerings and services. For example, IBM Salesforce for the first time is able to resell our enterprise data. Likewise, the Cloudera Salesforce can now resell many of IBM's products, including Big SQL. I'm very encouraged by the momentum that our companies have continued to generate together since the merger. We had a number of significant joint wins this past quarter, and with our new agreement in place, we expect that only to continue. Now I'd like to turn over to Jim to review our financials. Jim. Thanks, Tom. Hello, everyone. As previously shared, revenue for the first quarter was $187 million, and subscription revenue was $155 million. 
Operating cash flow for the quarter was positive $11 million. Because of the merger, comparative year-over-year information on these items is not meaningful. As Tom highlighted, it was a difficult quarter for us from a bookings perspective, and I will discuss this in connection with annualized recurring revenue in a moment. We concluded Q1 with 929 customers who started at or have grown to more than $100,000 of ARR. The number of customers spending more than $1 million is in excess of 140. Both of these numbers are roughly flat with Q4 and are reflective of the customer wait-and-see attitude that Tom described. It is important to note that our largest customers continue to bring workloads to the platform. Annualized Q1 dollar-based churn for this cohort is substantially better than average at approximately 6%, and these customers continue to expand. In Q1, we completed the work to determine end-of-quarter annualized recurring revenue rather than the adjusted ARR number that we shared in connection with Q4 results. As expected, ARR and adjusted ARR growth rates were similar. ARR for fiscal Q1 was $672 million, up approximately 21% year-over-year, whereas adjusted ARR was $668 million, up approximately 20%. Details with respect to ARR definition and trends can be found in the supplemental materials on our investor relations website. As I review the remainder of the income statement, note that unless otherwise stated, all references to expenses and operating results are on a non-GAAP basis. Historical non-GAAP results are reconciled to GAAP results in the press release issued earlier today. Our adjustments from GAAP to non-GAAP are limited to stock-based compensation and amortization of M&A-related intangibles. Total gross margin for Q1 was 73%, driven by subscription gross margin of 85%, both level with Q1 of last year. Operating expenses were $172 million for the first quarter, or 92% of revenue. Included in operating expenses are $25 million of merger-related expenses. Excluding these amounts, operating expenses were 79% of revenue in Q1. This is a significant improvement from 98% of revenue in Q1 of last year. It reflects the rapid achievement of our planned cost synergies and increased operating leverage since the merger. In particular, sales and marketing expense dropped from 54% of revenue in the year-ago period to 47% of revenue this quarter, and R&D fell from 33% of revenue to 25%. The $25 million of merger-related expenses include severance and retention costs and third-party fees associated with integrating the systems and processes of the combined company. Overall, operating loss was $35 million in Q1, representing an operating margin of negative 19% burdened by 13 percentage points of merger-related expenses. Excluding these expenses, operating margin would have been negative 5% for the first quarter, a substantial improvement over Q119's operating margin of negative 25%. Loss per share was 13 cents in the first quarter based on 271 million shares, weighted average shares outstanding, compared to a loss per share of 18 cents in the first quarter of fiscal year 2019. Now, turning to the balance sheet and cash flow, we exited Q1 with $547 million in cash, cash equivalents, marketable securities, and restricted cash, up from $541 million at the end of Q4-19. Operating cash flow for the first quarter was $11 million, which includes $25 million of merger-related spending. Cash flow performance was better than expected due to strong execution on merger synergies in both headcount and non-headcount-related spending, and higher-than-planned collections. Every functional area is on track or ahead of plan with respect to the operational elements of the merger. 
Capital expenditures were $3 million in the quarter. Total contract liabilities, which comprised deferred revenue and other contract liabilities, were $486 million at the end of the first quarter. RPO was $720 million. I will conclude by providing initial guidance for fiscal Q2 and updated guidance for fiscal year 2020. We expect Q2 total revenue to be between $180 million and $183 million, and subscription revenue in the range of $155 to $157 million. Net loss per share is projected to be $0.11 to $0.08 based on 274 million weighted average shares outstanding. For fiscal year 2020, we expect total revenue to be between $745 million and $765 million, and subscription revenue in the range of $635 million to $645 million. As you will recall from our discussion last quarter, our intention is to show Cloudera's organic quarterly performance and top-line momentum in the most transparent way possible. Annualized recurring revenue based on the book of business at the end of the quarter removes the effects of the merger, including accounting changes, billing duration, and licensing convention, and is the best representation of underlying economic activity. Based on our sales pipeline and the typical length of an enterprise software sales cycle, we believe that Q2 will be the trough for bookings growth. Coupled with soft Q1 bookings, first half bookings performance will weigh on growth rates through the balance of the year. We expect ARR growth in Q2 to be between 10 and 12%, declining to 0 to 10% in Q4. We continue to believe that modest improvements in subscription gross margin can be achieved by Q4 as we integrate customer support. Services margins will trend down over the next couple quarters as we apply more technical resources to support customer success. Total operating expenses will continue to decline over the course of the year as merger-related expenses moderate. Non-merger-related operating expenses will be roughly flat. Our investments are in place, allowing us to deliver on the CDP roadmap and position us for sustained growth. For fiscal year 2020, net loss per share is projected to be $0.32 to $0.28 based on 280 million weighted average shares outstanding. We expect operating cash flow for fiscal year 2020 to be negative 95 million to negative 75 million. While merger cost synergies are coming in greater than planned, operating cash flow will be impacted by the booking softness that we are now forecasting for the first half. I would like to note two factors that impact cash flow this year. Projected OCS includes approximately $59 million of merger-related payments. Additionally, as, we, as discussed on last quarter's call, Billings and cash flow will continue to be impacted by the adoption of Cloudera's annual billings convention for the former Hortonworks business. Bookings growth is expected to accelerate in the second half this year. This will be evident in the sequential ARR growth in Q3 and Q4. Although CDP will be available in the second half, we do not have adequate data or pipeline to model its rate of adoption. And given the nature of a subscription business, we believe that the revenue impact from CDP bookings and deferred customers' expansions will take several quarters to appear in gap revenue. Until the trajectory of that growth and the investment levels necessary to support it become clearer, we will not attempt to project an intermediate-term operating model for the combined company. I will now return the call to Tom. Thank you, Jim. Before we take your questions, I'd like to offer some concluding comments. I'm very encouraged by the rapid progress we are making with our merger the new cloud era has the resources, scale, customer base, and partnerships to compete extremely well in the modern era of data analytics. 
We have a roadmap that is not only exciting to our customers, but is significantly accelerated as compared to what either company could have achieved independently. We believe that we are well positioned for the second half with merger integration behind us and a competitive cloud offering in market very soon. I want to thank our employees for their commitment and perseverance in joining ranks, aligning behind a single strategy and staying customer focused. I also thank our partners for rallying behind our strategy and delivering great value in the market together. I thank the open source developer community for their innovative and collaborative spirit. My thanks to our many customers and the amazing solutions they're developing with our platform. And finally, on behalf of all Cloudera's, I would like to extend a thank you to my friend and colleague, Cloudera's co-founder, Mike Olson, who is also retiring this summer. As a reminder, Arun Murthy, our Chief Product Officer, will join Jim and myself for the Q&A portion of the call. Operator, let's begin the Q&A portion of the call, please. At this time, I would like to remind everyone, in order to ask a question, press star, the number one on your telephone keypad. We'll pause for just a moment to compile the Q&A roster. Your first question comes from Phil Winslow with Wells Fargo. Your line is open. Hey, uh, thanks, guys, for, for taking my question. Uh, actually, just two questions. Uh, you know, first, uh, you mentioned you know, slower uh, expansion than you'd been, been anticipating. I wonder if you could comment on just uh, on just renewal rates, though. You know, what did you see you know, during the quarter, and what are you kind of thinking about them uh, going forward? And then, uh, the second question, just in terms of reaccelerating you know, net expansion, what are the key milestones you know, that that you're looking for, that, or that you're hearing from customers that you think would uh, that they believe would uh, reaccelerate that? Um, this is Jim. I'll, I'll take the first part of that question. I'll let Tom uh, handle the reacceleration. So dollar churn in the quarter um, spiked for us. It's about 16%. Typically, it's average about 10% or slightly above that. Uh, if we decompose that, we see relative strength with our large customers. Million-dollar-plus customers have a churn rate that is close to historical average and substantially less than the 16%. Most of the churn occurred in our customers at the earlier stages of their journey. We expect to see that sort of rough dynamic into Q2. Once we get beyond Q2, we expect renewal rates and churn rates to return to approximately where they have been historically. Yeah, and this is Tom. Um, here's what I'm really encouraged about this second half. So uh, large enterprises want and benefit from moving workloads to the public cloud. There's a class of use cases where it's very beneficial. Um, CDP this summer is designed for us to capture those workloads and that journey. And that uh, strengthens our renewals uh, and creates expansion opportunities. Second, and later after the CDP public cloud version, our private cloud version comes out. And the number one thing our large enterprises are, are expecting from us is that private cloud version. And a lot of the excitement that uh, we're getting in our roadmap uh, is not only for the hybrid capabilities, but delivering a cloud experience into data centers. And those two things uh, is where we are very encouraged about our second half. Got it. Thanks, guys. And then, Tom, uh, yeah, uh, best of luck in your future endeavors. Thank you, Phil. Your next question comes from Chad Bennett with Craig Halem. Your line is open. Great. Thanks for taking my questions. So uh, I'm just trying to understand, um, I guess, the logic behind um, customers effectively waiting. I, I, and, and maybe it ties into 
Tom, your comment about the public cloud vendors being more competitive. Um, if you could define that, that'd be great. Uh, after you guys made the merger announcements, I, I, I can't imagine um, their data growth is slowing, their workload expansion is slowing, their analytics investment is slowing. How, how can they afford to wait, or are they actually, and maybe it's evident in the churn dollar rate you just gave, are they just shifting those those workloads off your platform? Is is that what's really going on? Yeah, Chad, uh, you covered quite a bit there, so let me just uh, break it down a bit. Uh, from the time we announced the merger to where we got our roadmap out was about a five-month period. In that period, our sales force was a bit handicapped without giving clarity of what the roadmap would be. And without that clarity, we were at a competitive disadvantage. And we saw a number of opportunities uh, get taken by the public cloud guys. Um, we're already turned that around because we've trained on our roadmap. But now, let's say, now the customer sees our roadmap, what causes them to pause yet again? Um, they're trying to understand um, how they will take advantage of CDP, both um, public and private. Uh, they're trying to understand how they're going to move those workloads. Uh, it's just a different motion than um, traditionally just buying more of what they had on-prem. We are trying to encourage all of our customers to move to a cloud architecture, both in the data center and public cloud. And so that's just a, an education process. And, and just maybe a, a quick follow-up, if I may. So I know you don't want to touch on the longer-term model, but if, if our if our growth expectation, expectations have changed in terms of long-term growth, in, in Chad's words, maybe maybe not yours, um, shouldn't the, the operating model or level investment change, especially considering, I, I know you're seeing some synergies from, from the merger, but your, your sales and marketing as a percent of revenue is still fairly high for a company that well, effectively is not growing this year. But um, even if you were to grow, let's just say 10 to 20, uh, I would say that line item is still egregiously high. Just care to comment on that? Yeah, so this is Jim. From our perspective, we believe that the long-term growth model of seeing sustained software growth in excess of 20% is still there. All the secular trends support it. Our product strategy of multi-cloud hybrid we believe is the right answer for our target customer set. Uh, the growth that is happening this year is not what we initially anticipated. We have curtailed the rate of future expense growth in the short run through the, the balance of the year, and the guidance that we put in front of you reflects a lower level of spending than, than 90 days ago. So we do understand the top-line dynamics and how it will impact um, expenses. With that said, though, we believe that it is critical to get CDP out, and we've retained the level of investment that would allow us to develop CDP, public cloud, private cloud, and be able to sell it and build pipeline uh, over the course of this year. We think the benefits of that will start accruing in bookings later this year, and you'll start seeing it in accelerated revenue growth uh, next year. Great. Thanks for taking my questions. Your next question comes from Jack Andrews with Needham. Your line is open. Uh, good afternoon. Thanks for taking my question. I was wondering if you could shed some more light on the uh, the pricing model around CDP in particular. I mean, is this 
viewed as, a, as an upgrade for uh, customers, given that I would imagine this is a superior product and something that they've been uh, historically using? Jack, this is Tom. Um, yes, CDP is a superior product in many fashions, whether it's going to be deployed in the public or private cloud. Um, and we uh, plan to change our pricing to reflect that. Uh, we are not announcing those pricing changes at this time, but you will expect a uh, cloud consumption-based uh, pricing model um, that gives the customers the flexibility to take advantage of bursting and the auto-scaling capabilities uh, and have that consumption-based model. And we'll be announcing that at the time we release CDP. Okay. There's a follow-up, maybe a question for Arun. Um, yeah, I was wondering if there's any uh, lessons learned just from the HDP 3.0 release uh, last summer, which I believe was a major release um, from the Hortonworks side. Um, you know, any sort of lessons learned in terms of customer behavior uh, in advance and, and post that release that uh, you can apply to uh, what's happening here with uh, the CDP launch? Uh, great question. Thanks. So, you know, like I said, we released HTTP uh, 3.0 in summer of last year, um, and we've seen uh, customers uptake it, um, you know, with, with a lot of enthusiasm. We've learned a lot of uh, lessons which are now absorbed into CDP. A lot of this has to be uh, around things like, you know, there's a real demand for separation of compute and storage. That is what is the focus of CDP private cloud. Uh, we've also done a lot of work. Uh, we piloted a lot of uh, new products, uh, you know, we have customers using uh, features like TensorFlow, um, in, you know, using containers. So all of the benefits you're seeing in CDP, whether it's technologies like Kubernetes and containers, are disaggregated storage and compute, which we're going to use both on on-prem and on the uh, both on-prem and on the public cloud, have all been informed by the collective feedback we've got uh, both on HTTP3 and uh, CDS6. Got it. Well, thank you for taking my questions. Thanks. Your next question comes from Tyler Radke with Citi. Your line is open. Hi, thank you. Um, could you talk about maybe a little more specifically what, what gives you the confidence here in the second half of the year? Is it is it simply just uptake of the, the public cloud version, or um, you know, are, are, are there ele other elements you're incorporating? Hey, Tyler, you're very faint, but I think um, your question was, what gives us confidence of the uptake in the second half of the year? Um, there's a number of things. Yeah. So we have been aggressive getting out, talking about our public hybrid capabilities and our private cloud capabilities. And as Jack mentioned earlier, uh, this is a substantial um, value-added increase from our current platforms. And the... Uh, response we're getting for customers uh, is very powerful. We train. I mean, our Salesforce just got trained in March to start uh, talking about our second half of our roadmap, and we're seeing our pipeline reflect the excitement. Uh, as Jim mentioned, our sales cycles are you know, longer than six months, but uh, we're seeing the pipeline grow not only for the CDP uh, and growing workloads but also our cross-sell capabilities uh, that were enabled by the merger, what we call from the edge to AI. So we see it in our pipeline. We see it in the response we're getting from the market. And CDP is not designed to be like a um, Me Too kind of cloud offering. CDP is truly uh, unique capabilities and uh, puts us in a very, very competitive advantage. And we're the only company delivering these hybrid multi-cloud capabilities at the data management analytics layer. 
Okay, thank you. And then um, maybe you could just reflect on on the quarter. Uh, obviously, the the outlook for the rest of the year is is coming down pretty substantially, but. Maybe just order a magnitude. What surprised you more? Was it the weakness in bookings? Was it the higher churn rates? Uh, was it was it the competitive environment? Um, maybe just talk about those three dynamics independently. Um, I'll talk about it, and then Jim may have some some specifics. Um, we saw increased competition from the public cloud vendors, and uh, so just. Uh, increased desire for customers to understand how they can move workloads into the public cloud environment. And during that period of uncertainty, uh, you know, we we weren't very competitive with that during that period. Secondly, and we, um, with respect to the merger, we got on things like pursuing our renewals later in the quarter than we traditionally would. But that was just the complexities of bringing together two Salesforce systems, pursuing hundreds of uh, renewals. And so some of those slipped out of the quarter. Um, and then our customers that would normally expand uh, would ask us many questions around CDP, and if they expand now, what does it mean to migrate later? And so uh, some of those caused some of the challenges in the quarter. Um, all of those things we think we have addressed and we've resolved, uh, and we're seeing the improvements. So, uh, but that's, I think, uh, the best assessment I have for you, Tyler. Thank you. Your next question comes from Ramo Lenshaw with Barclays. Your line is open. Hey, this is Preekati for Ramo Lenshaw. Um, wanted to ask you about the competition with the with the cloud companies. Uh, we've seen AWS and Azure move more uh, onto on-prem and, and provide hybrid capabilities. Um, and we saw today with the Azure and Oracle providing interoperability. Um, do you think the, the competitive environment with cloud companies is, is changing going forward? Hey, um, this is Aaron. I'm happy to take a question. Uh, great question on sort of, you know, we, we've seen, you know, Google and Amazon sort of uh, get into this more of a hybrid message, which frankly uh, is very encouraging to us because that's, that's sort of our main plan for our strategy. When we look at some of the offerings, the hybrid offerings we get uh, from you know, Google and Amazon and Microsoft, a lot of that is focused around the infrastructure layer, whether it's Azure Stack, whether it's Anthos from Google, um, AWS Outpost, and so on. Where we differentiate is at the data layer, right? So having a, a hybrid multi-cloud multi approach at the data layer puts us in a unique uh, position. And that's really why, as you kind of heard from me in the, in the prepared remarks, you know, things like bursting workloads to the cloud, adaptive scaling, and so on, are the key features you need to be able to leverage that world um, in, a, in a hybrid fashion. So, in a nutshell, uh, we, you know, it's very, it's very complementary to the approach uh, we're taking, and we really, we really, really welcome the fact that now you're going to have consistent, you know, sort of infrastructure layers, which, which makes our job easier at the data layer. And I'll pile on, too. Here's the other thing we're noticing. Uh, the cloud vendors are all trying to close off uh, their kind of challenge in not having hybrid offerings. You see them entering the market. But frankly, when they put something on-prem, it's really more of an on-ramp to the public cloud versus trying to give customers the flexibility to move workloads between clouds where they get the, the lowest cost and best performance. And so um, our, our strategy is an enduring differentiator. Uh, we uh, really don't care where workloads run, right? We want them to run on a cloud architecture and allow the customers to have flexibility. 
Okay, great. Thank you. Um, and I want to ask you about, you know, a private company, uh, uh, some rumblings around, uh, you know, a private Hadoop company kind of close to shutting its doors. We want to ask you if you saw any additional opportunities come to you from uh, from customers of, the, of, uh, of this company. Yes. Um, so basically, here's the backdrop. Uh, we saw the need to get more resources, more scale, so that we can um, deliver a competitive cloud offering and re-platform into cloud architecture, and that's why we did the merger. And so Cloudera now has the resources, the scales, the employees, the engineers to very quickly re-platform our business. Um, our competitor, and in this case it's MapR, uh, could not mass the resources or the scale to make a similar transition, and I think uh, uh, they have some challenges. Um, we view their customer base as an opportunity for us, um, and it is uh, part of our growing pipeline. Thank you. Your next question comes from Rishi Jaluria with DA Davidson. Your line is open. Okay, yeah. <clears throat> guys, thanks for taking my questions. Um, let me start, um, Jim, with you. Uh, two, two quick ones, and I, I'll have a follow-up for, for Arun. Um, but, but just thinking about, you know, 90 days or so ago when, when you provided uh, guidance and, and for simplicity, let's, let's look at ARR. I mean, at least it seemed to a lot of us that you had made some very conservative <coughs> assumptions, especially when it came to, um, you know, revenue dissynergies and kind of delays in bookings. Just, just help me understand what was it that you did not anticipate, and, and putting aside the competition from cloud vendors, but, but, but besides that, what was it that you didn't anticipate? Because it seemed like you understood and, and acknowledged that there was going to be a potential wait-and-see dynamic from, from customers. Was it just more intense than, than you expected or, or what? And then maybe kind of as a housekeeping one, on the 100K customers metric, it actually looks like it declined sequentially, which I don't think I've seen in, in, in the model before, you know, going from, from 943 last quarter to 929 this quarter, and, and it looks like the, the definitions of, of that maybe have changed. So maybe maybe just walk through both of those, and I've got, I've got a product question for Arun. Uh, yes, there's, there's a lot there, so uh, hopefully I can unpack it. So relative to expectations 90 days ago, um, first of all, that was shortly after the two companies had merged. We were still operating um, somewhat blind in terms of, of pulling in pipeline from both sides, scrubbing the numbers, putting together predictive models. So you had a general level of uncertainty. And then the new news in the quarter, certainly what Tom described in terms of cloud, certainly the, the um, fact that our customers are taking a wait and see attitude. We did not anticipate that to the level of extent that it was. Uh, the fact that our churn rate increased, that was certainly unanticipated. And those th three things are all interrelated. Now, very specifically, the way a subscription model works is that resulted in bookings that were very light for Q1 relative to expectations. We now have much greater confidence in our pipeline and visibility, and that pipeline for Q2 is pointing to another soft quarter. So, so essentially, we're, we're factoring in two quarters in a row of soft bookings. Now, we are seeing pipeline growth that is, has resumed, um, several weeks' worth, a couple months' worth. 
we hope that remains a good trend. But the pipeline that we're building today isn't going to be delivered in Q2. It's going to be delivered in Q3, Q4, and a little bit in Q1. So the nature of the subscription model means that we're going to have a trough in bookings in the first half of the year. That will show up as a trough in ARR growth rates in Q4 and then acceleration beyond. You'll see the um, resumption of underlying bookings growth most clearly in, in sequential dollar ARR growth. And that's one reason why we're disclosing ARR. So, so as we execute in Q3 and especially Q4, we hope to put um, a lot of ARR dollars on the books and that will be reflective of the success of the strategy. Um, your second question, customer count less than $100,000 or, or over $100,000, that is all part and parcel of the same thing. So where we saw relative weakness um, was in our customers that caught $100,000 of revenue up to $500,000 or so. So post-merger, as you'd expect, we put our resources first and foremost on our large accounts. That was a little bit softer than we would like, but we still saw really good expansion rates, pretty good churn rates in our largest accounts. We saw the relative weakness in our smaller accounts, and unfortunately, more of them churned out this quarter than we brought on. So that's, that's, that's the other artifact of the cloud competition, high churn, um, and merger execution. Got it. Thanks, thanks Jim. That's helpful. Uh, Arun, just may maybe a little bit of a clarifying question in terms of, of product and strategy around CDP. When you talk about CDP being you know, a, a cloud native, does that mean <clears throat> fully managed cloud capabilities where, where you're handling that side of the business? Because that's one of the feedback I think I've heard from customers is they don't like having to manage the, the cloud stack on their own. Um, and, and, and maybe alongside that, you know, we, CDP, it seems like most of the work is, is, is kind of done. Uh, maybe just in terms of, of, of strategy, why not publicly share, you know, what exactly that roadmap is, especially now that, that you know, Edge to AI tour that you've had is, is fully wrapped up and, and, and actually put out a, a proper release date on that versus, you know, a, a, a you know, end of summer and, and private cloud by end of the year. Uh, and anything you could offer around that I think would be really helpful. Thanks. Uh, thanks for the questions. Uh, the first one, yeah. So like I said, CDP is going to be a, a cloud-native PaaS offering, platform as a service offering. Uh, there are nuances around, you know, when we say it's a managed offering and a PaaS offering, there are nuances around, you know, what infrastructure it runs on and so on. And the customers who choose to run this um, in infrastructure they own versus, in, versus the software that is managed by Cloudera, right? So that's the model we see. And going in that world, we continue to leverage you know, cloud storage, uh, cloud compute, and so on. So effectively, CDP is a, a platform as a service offering that customers manage very, very little of. Uh, the second question around, uh, you know, sort of uh, timing, we've, we've shared uh, specific timings with the, with the customer base at this point in terms of, you know, we've got beta programs ongoing, we've got a, an onboarding program as we go right now. So we, there's a fair amount of clarity in terms of when we know we can we expect customers to onboard and go from and sort of leverage leverage it in our production setting. Got it. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Your next question comes from Zane Crane with Bernstein Research. Your line is open. Hi, thanks for taking my question. Can you give us an update on the uh, fiscal year 21 guidance and specifically the operating cash flow margin? 
I would imagine there's a lot of negative operating leverage uh, in the operating cash flow, given you just lowered your ARR guidance for this year by almost $100 million. Uh, that, that's the first part. The second part is a lot of customers we spoke with, even those that are expanding aggressively in terms of their spending with Cloudera, have indicated that even new workloads are go- that they put on cloud vendors is more due to total cost of ownership benefits. They already say that Cloudera is better than the cloud vendors on a constant compute basis. So I'm just wondering what have you done or can you do or plan to do to maybe be more competitive on the total cost of ownership front? Thank you. Um, I'll take the first one and I'll turn it over to Arun for the second one. Um, so in fiscal year 21, it's, it's premature. Um, you saw that we had to significantly change our guidance for this year. We're still in the middle of this transition. Um, I'd like to get at least another quarter under our belt of seeing the pipeline that we're building today and its ultimate conversion rate before reissuing uh, fiscal year 21 guidance. Yeah, so okay. on the second question, um, in terms of overall, you know, we believe that sort of our incentives are aligned uh, much with the customer's incentives. You know, some of the work we've done in terms of adaptive scaling makes so that the overall t- total cost of ownership um, is cheaper compared to the cloud vendor's uh, service. And frankly, there's just like better capabilities in terms of if you want to take, uh, if you want to identify a workload and then burst it to the cloud, you know, remember we have uh, you know thousands of petabytes of data on our platform. That is something that we leverage to be able to actually help help these workloads move back and forth. Just, just make sure I understand. You're saying that the Cloudera platform is lower total cost of ownership than the cloud vendors? Exactly, because of the fact that we have a PaaS offering which which automatically scales the costs up and down based on loads. And is that true now, or are you saying that will be true for the uh, the CDP offering coming out in the summer? This is, part, this is part of uh, CDP. Okay. And just a quick follow-up for Jim. Uh, the, the framework for how we should think about the operating, potent, operating cash flow or operating margin potential, is, is there a framework maybe around customers over a million in ARR or customers over 100,000 if you were to allocate the, the cost and revenue respectively? Uh, can you give us like a sense for what each one of those customer segments might look like on an operating margin or OCF basis? Yeah. Um, at this point, no. Um, we've done that once before in our analyst day, which we're targeting again for September of this year. Uh, once again, the, the model is, is uh, dynamic right now, so I'd like to settle it down before releasing numbers like that. So I think, I think September was a good target for that. And, and I'll go back to actually your first question on fiscal year 21. What I will say is, is we laid out a model that said, we expect our top line to be able to grow at more than than 20% a year, and for us to throw off a 15% operating cost flow margin on a sustained basis at those growth rates. So that would equate to a rule of 40 score of 35 or higher. That hasn't changed at all. Um, the only question is timing. And whenever whenever I am not giving you precise numbers on fiscal year 21, it's not any change in where the model is going to be, it's just a timing change, and that's where that's where we need another quarter or two to get a better assessment of the timing to get to that ultimate model. Got it. Okay. Thank you. Your next question comes from Michael Turritz with Raymond James. Your line is open. Hey, guys. Good evening. I just want to make sure that I understand 
the churn well enough. The customers who did not renew, um, did they take their on-premise workloads and move those workloads to cloud, uh, or did they move uh, to a community non-paid version, or did they simply move off of uh, what's just broadly called the Hadoop ecosystem? Michael, this is Tom, and I'll answer some of that. I'm pretty familiar with all those uh, scenarios. Uh, a combination of the first two. So um, we, we do see cluster customers that want to move workloads to uh, take advantage of public cloud. And uh, so that's where we saw some of the churn, uh, because we weren't really competitive against what the public cloud guys were offering, and we had this period of uncertainty. Uh, so that's one scenario, and that renewal the whole renewal may not go away, but a portion of that renewal will go away. Uh, and then we um, we saw some workloads go to self-support, uh, predominantly in the tech industry, um, and uh, that's the, the combination. And then we had a number of renewals that just uh, didn't close in the quarter because of uh, the merger execution and our kind of delays in, in getting to that. Um, and then finally, the CDP uh, caused some people just to pause, and whether, uh, especially if we have a renewal that we're working on an expansion, uh, and they're just asking questions about do they make that investment, um, and how does it migrate CDP, that caused some uh, delays. So, so you think it's not the, the last thing that I asked, and obviously I ask it also um, because of the troubles that MapR had, which is a, you know, similar types of solutions here. So broadly call it Hadoop. So is there any sense that, that the customers are simply migrating to a different form of data architecture? No, the only the only different architecture is the cloud architecture, uh, which we are addressing with CDP as a PaaS, a native cloud architecture offering. Um, but there's no other, you know, analytic platform out there that we find challenging us. Okay. And, and is the bulk of it that movement to the cloud, or is it, you know, how would you split it between, you're basically saying it's moving to cloud or just most, or non-renewals around um, going to self-support or just delays, which essentially self-support. The, 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 the bulk of it is anymore. delays. The, the, the bulk of it is uh, the delays followed by workloads moving to public cloud vendors' native house offerings. And that's why we also, we didn't share earlier, but the reason we prioritize CDP public cloud first is we want to close off that um, uh, competitive disadvantage with our public cloud hybrid offering. CDP private cloud is what our largest customers are most uh, demanding, but uh, we wanted to close off those those workloads that are moving to public cloud, and we want to control that Sorry. with our customers. Sorry to just squeeze this last clarification, but if, if they're delaying, but they're you know past renewal. No, are they? Is that just saying they're simply willing to go unsupported, whether whatever the reason, whether it's because of CDP or whatever, or mis-execution on your part? Yes. Yeah, so we we have um, a number of renewals that we just didn't close in the quarter because we didn't execute against them, uh, and that was just we got a late start to the to the merger. Uh, secondly, when a renewal has an expansion, uh, we are better off uh, closing them together. And we will let a customer slip while we're ask, asking their questions or addressing their concerns versus um, try to do two transactions. Okay, good enough. Thanks very much. Yeah. 
Your next question comes from Mark Murphy with J.P. Morgan. Your line is open. Hi, good afternoon. This is Matt Koss. Uh, on behalf of Mark Murphy, thanks for taking my question. Um, you, you mentioned so you're seeing significant uh, pipeline growth for CDP, more than doubling from the beginning of the quarter to the end. Uh, you, what are customers telling you, and you know, how well is this pipeline scrubbed? And um, I guess what um, you know, what do you see in it uh, that gives you the confidence that you're uh, talking about here? Yeah, so Matt, uh, this is Tom again. So first off, in the first half of the quarter, uh, we were not generating much pipeline um, because uh, we hadn't trained the sales force. We didn't have our strategy line. We were doing a lot of our integration work. Uh, in the second half, uh, when we got everyone trained up and the customers started seeing our roadmap and the cross-sell, upsell opportunities, uh, we started seeing uh, better expansion opportunities, uh, better cross-sell opportunities, uh, even uh, our new opportunity pipeline all kind of start growing in the second half. And, uh, you know, we lost, you know, four to six weeks of pipeline generation in the first part of the quarter just because uh, we closed our Q4s, bringing teams together in systems. Uh, we weren't generating pipeline at the rate we were in the second half. Um, our pipeline metrics, we have internal metrics of what they need to be. Our pipeline metrics are exceeding our internal uh, goals. And that means our second half was a strong generation to make up for the first half shortfall, and we see it continuing here in our new quarter. And, and just, to, just, just to make one point, you started your question, CDP pipeline. We're actually not generating CDP pipeline yet. So, so that will really start in the second half, maybe late um, Q2. The pipeline generation that we have seen is for all the legacy products that we have in both companies. Got it. Okay. Uh, and then, you know, I, I guess, what's your confidence level at Q2? Is it is a bookings trough quarter? Um, and then, is there anything else that could you know, derail the current outlook, or alternatively, you know, what has the highest chance of going better than expected from here? Um, so the level of confidence at Q2 to trough is pretty high. So we've, we've, we have the pipeline in front of us, and um, we see the growth is clearly aimed at Q3 and Q4 and not at Q2. So, so our, our, our confidence is high that, that Q2 is the bottom. Um, and what was the second part of your question? Just if there's anything that could go one way or the other, positively or negatively, and what has the highest chance of happening, of where yeah. is the highest chance? Yeah, so, so clearly at, if we execute on our internal plans, which as you would expect are a lot more aggressive than the numbers we've shared with you, we will see upside. We'll see upside with our partnership uh, with IBM, with the uptake of CDP, uh, of cross-sell opportunities that are, are in the pipeline but really haven't materialized yet. So. All the elements that we've talked about are the drivers for performance above and beyond um, what we guided. Thank you. All right, operator, I think uh, we're over our time. So uh, we're going to wrap up this. Uh, thank you for the great questions. Thank you for joining our earnings call. Uh, the team will be reporting back to you in a quarter. Thank you for joining us. This concludes today's conference call. You may now